Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, January 31st, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting. And leaky black Matt Norlander is here with me. And I want to start with something a little different, with some off-the-court news involving a five-star freshman at Ohio State. DJ Carton announced Thursday night on Twitter that he's stepping away from the Ohio State program not because he's unhappy with his role or number of shots, anything like that, but because he's just struggling and has been uh, for a couple of years with mental health issues. Some background here, uh, DJ Carton, top 35 prospect, class of 2019, according to 24-7 Sports. He's from Iowa, 6'2 guard. He was Mr. Basketball in Iowa in 2019, enrolled at Ohio State, and he's the third leading scorer as a freshman on a team that was ranked number two in the AP poll earlier this season. He's averaging... 11.2 points in 23.9 minutes per game. And he told us all on Thursday night that he's been struggling, like really struggling. So so he's going to try to get better. And getting better in his mind involves him stepping away from basketball at this time. It's an interesting story, Norlander. Let me ask you this. Do you remember a college player so publicly and transparently ever stepping away from basketball in the middle of a season for mental health reasons? I do not remember uh, a situation like this previously. Um, there certainly may have been instances of this happening um, with a player. I'm sure, at, at, I'm sure yeah. that I'm sure that a, a player has done this. Right. But you know, there are laws. Like coaches aren't allowed to just come out and say, yeah, "Yes, right. he's struggling with depression." So right. uh, the only way this story becomes the story that it's become is is by DJ very publicly and transparently saying, hey, this is my issue. This is what I'm dealing with. And I, I don't remember anything like that. Yeah. Um, uh, no, this is, uh, you know, he's obviously received, as he should, um, uh, so much support and praise for being able to say this. Um, I'm in the midst of working on a story. I will not reveal the player. Um, I'm in the midst of working on a story right now um, that deals with uh, mental health and, you know, just a lot of stuff that's heavy. Okay. And, um, the hope and plan is to publish that in February. Um, so, uh, in the midst of working on this, uh, you know, kind of on a day by day, week by week basis to see DJ Carton do this, um, it is increasing the dialogue here in college athletics. I think this is so good and so important because, We've seen the dialogue around this increase, I think, uh, in sports over the past year or two, and that's really, really important, really, really good. Um, But particularly when we see 18-year-olds willing to do this, uh, I think it sends a very powerful and good message. And I'm just going to read you real quick what DJ Carton posted uh, to Twitter in the Notes app, of course, the go-to. He said, after talking to my family, teammates, and coaches, I've decided it is best at this time to temporarily step away from the Ohio State basketball program. In making this decision, I felt it was important to be transparent as to why I'm taking this break. I've been suffering with mental health issues for a couple years. I have been through a lot. I'm disappointed to say I'm not 100% right right now. I'm not doing my teammates justice if I don't work on this now. I'm doing everything in my power to strengthen my mental health. I will fight for my team and Buckeye Nation and I will come back stronger. If you're going through mental health issues, I've learned through this that you are loved and valued. Thank you for the continuous love and support. Buckeye Nation, please respect my decision and my privacy. Hashtag Go Bucks. Hashtag Buckeye Forever. So credit to DJ Carton here um, because amid all of this stuff, it, the, the most important thing that I took from this GP was you've got an Ohio State team that we've that has been discussed so much over the past month 
everywhere. This podcast, columns, TV, you name it. Uh, it's it's a team in a tailspin. I mean, it starts nine and zero, eleven and one, and now we look up. It's thirteen and seven with three six mark in the Big Ten, and now has uh, you know an intriguing and important game. Every game is now important for Ohio State at home against Indiana. It is not an ideal time to have to step away, but. On the previous podcast, we talked about Kobe King and the fact that he left. And there's, there's since been good some some good reporting locally there uh, as to why Kobe King has done this, and he has been pretty forthcoming with his reasons. This is a, this is a different situation altogether from what we can tell. Um, and so, good on DJ for doing this. We don't know if this will be a week. We don't know if this will be until the NCAA tournament. But it doesn't matter uh, if you have an 18 year old um, who has uh, assessed himself and and. Almost certainly, likely through uh, through the help of of psychiatrists and doctors, that yeah, you know you're you know it's okay not to be okay, and if you just got to get yourself back on the right track, if you just nudged off a little bit and you need to take time away, uh, do that. So this is a refresh. You know, we want it to be as good as possible. But this is a refreshing thing. Only that if there are other players that might be struggling with this across the country in college football, basketball, wherever, it doesn't really matter. Uh, to know that you have this kind of uh, opportunity to do this to better yourself, I think it's a great precedent. I, I I admire the young man for for being willing to to get help and and I, I think more than that, being comfortable acknowledging that he needs help. You know, mental health has been a college basketball topic this season in other ways, specifically with Cassius Winston's brother, right? Who, um, what you know, we're not telling secrets here, was clearly struggling and battling a lot of things and, and ultimately uh, committed suicide by stepping in front uh, of a train. And, um, you know, Cassius, I believe it was earlier this week, had it just produced a, a, a really beautiful um, a video in which he, he discusses, you know, all of this stuff in, in, in pretty great uh, detail. And so now here we are again with a young man uh, and I'm not trying to connect the two situations because I don't know if they're similar, but uh, Cassius's uh, brother uh, clearly didn't get the help that he needed. Um, and so his life ends a certain way. And here's a young man and DJ Carton who is um, who who is stepping away from the thing he's always been great at, which is basketball, to try to get the help that he needs in this moment. And I do think um, – High-profile, famous, successful people speaking on this subject yeah. in recent years has really helped other people be more comfortable than they otherwise would be. Um, Kanye West did a, an album, uh, basically acknowledging his his bipolar uh, disorder, and had to literally be hospitalized uh, to get better. Um, this is a guy who has won you know, a million Grammys. He's literally a billionaire. He's married to one of the most famous and beautiful women in the world. He's got an unbelievably beautiful family. Like on a surface level, Kanye West has everything you could possibly dream of, and yet he's struggling in real ways and had to get help. Uh, in basketball, Kevin Love. You know, yeah. If I told you you could be tall, good-looking, successful, and wealthy – you would, I, I mean, like, I'm none of those things. I, I would take all of them. And you would think on a surface level, my God, what, Kevin Love must have the best life in the world, except Kevin Love was really struggling and had to get help, and he acknowledged that. And, you know, the, the, I'm not saying anything that other people haven't said, but, you know, on a basketball court last night, Killian Tilly uh, suffered an ankle injury in Gonzaga's win at Saint, Santa Clara. He only played nine minutes, and... 
he had to be removed from the game because of an ankle injury. And we don't know how bad it is at this moment, but he's missed time last season, this season, and could be missing more time going forward. And everybody understands that. Like when you watch Gonzaga's next game, if Killian Tilly isn't playing, you will understand why he's not playing because he'll be limping because, um, you know, some somebody will explain that, you know, it's a, a severe sprain that's going to sideline him for two weeks or whatever. You can't see when somebody is um, dealing with a, a mental health issue. Uh, the way you can see when somebody's dealing with a sprained ankle or a broken arm. We would never say somebody should play with a broken wrist, and hopefully we're learning. And I think we are, that uh, a broken brain, for lack of a better phrase, and I'm I'm sure there's a better phrase, um, that can also be a hindrance to playing basketball. And uh, DJ Carton is, uh, you know, a, a, a pretty uh, a great and big uh, real-time example of that. Yeah, and we still have a long way to go, Um in terms of how we frame, approach, understand uh, mental health in the sports world and how it is addressed, how it is treated, uh, what is considered acceptable. Because when it comes to physical limitations and injuries, you can have differences. You can have a sprained ankle or you can have a broken ankle. You can have a pulled muscle in your back or you could have an ACL tear. You could have a broken wrist or you could have uh, you know, a broken collarbone. Okay, There's all sorts of variations. When it comes to issues with mental health, it's just one big broad mental health diagnosis, assessment, uh, talking point. And there are obviously variations, okay? There, there is a spectrum uh, if you are not okay, uh, that you, there are worsening symptoms and lesser symptoms. And we still, I don't believe, are there when it comes to understanding um, when is that point because you can't see it. You know, the only, the, the only pr- person that can really try and describe it for you is the person that is suffering through it because only they have lived their experiences and know what they are feeling uh, in a, on a given day, in a given hour, in a given moment there. And so I still think we have a long ways to go in terms of how we um, like to build tough athletes, mentally strong athletes, uh, be able to gut through it, sometimes gut through physical injuries, sometimes gut through the mental stuff, because part of, you know, getting older, maturing, becoming a better person is, is persevering through challenges. And it could have been easy and probably likely if this is 10 years ago and DJ Carton's a freshman in college basketball, where the coaching staff no matter the team he was playing for, no matter the coaching staff, you know, just simply pushes him through it and says, toughen up, you got you to gotta overcome this, your teammates need you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, who's to say if, if, you know, how many players have gone through that and for the short or long term, we're not better off because of it. Maybe some were better off because of because Because again, Parrish, when it comes to alchemy within the brain and how people react to different environments, responses, depression, challenges, everybody's different here. But I'm just, I'm happy to see that DJ Carton, the coaching staff at Ohio State, his family, those that who are around him to support him, recognize that this is something that he needs to address right now. And in the middle of a season, though it's not convenient, that's not the most important thing. I do want to say, uh, because of the timing of this and what we talked about with Kobe King, I do think they are two separate things. Kobe King at Wisconsin, who left, um, he has not said anything in regard to this. His issue has been with the coaching staff and Greg Gard and how that staff has chosen to run the program, to coach the guys, to coach the team. Um, that's a that's a different situation. We just so happen to have, within a matter of literally 48 hours, 
two Big Ten teams fighting, clawing to try and get into the NCAA tournament uh, in the toughest conference in America, lose extremely valuable guards f uh, for two different reasons. And I, th I just wanted to be clear uh, that we make a distinguished uh, attempt to separate those uh, given the proximity of when they both happened. Um, I, I'm glad you pointed out that you know mental health issue is a pretty broad term. There, there's there's uh, different things with you know under that umbrella. Uh, for instance, Kanye West dealing with a bipolar disorder is much different than somebody dealing with depression is much different than somebody dealing with anxiety. Like I have actually have a diagnosed anxiety disorder, and you know it, it's it's I can. You know, I, I I get through the days, but I I get irrationally anxious about things um, often, and and then you know I get through it. Um, you know, it's not crippling, but it is. Um, it's a thing. It's a, it is a thing that I that I deal with. Um, but 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 that's a very different thing than you know what what other people under that umbrella deal with. A very different thing than you know than than what somebody like Cassius Winston's brother. Uh, would have would have been uh, dealing with and th the other thing that just impresses me about this decision is that often you have to drag somebody to get help as opposed to um, you know DJ Carton at least uh, on you know as far as we know like being really willing and 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 enthusiastic is the wrong word but but really willing to 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 go address this right now, because you know, on a personal level, I have a friend who's been struggling, uh, a close friend who's been struggling recently for a couple of years now, and I have I've done everything I can do to try to get him help because it clearly needs help, and you know, and his initial resistance was all rooted in. I, I find this to be true. Uh, people often um, say one of two things when they reject. Um, the help that they so clearly need. One is they just say, I don't need the help. They don't, they don't believe they need the help or, or two, they say, um, well, it won't do any good. Like you, it, it won't help me. Uh, my friend would, would consistently say, uh, you know, I, I no doctor is going to be able to fix me. And what we're learning now more and more often is, is that that's just not true. Um, there, there are, uh, you know, therapy is a, a real valuable thing. Medicine is a real valuable thing. Like, you know, if you have high cholesterol, they will give you medicine to, to, you know, to, to, to help. If you have high blood pressure, they'll give you medicine to help. Like, if you have a disorder, you can get medicine. Like, no, nobody mocks anybody for taking a cholesterol pill mm -hmm. or a, a high blood pressure pill. Like, you just go, wow, this is my medicine. You know, this is this this is what I have to take every day to 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 get to get through the day. And yet there's this stigma still sometimes attached to um, medicine that you might take to just, you know, balance you out and, and, and to make you um, make you better. And, you know, I finally did, you know, have recently got my friend into, uh, you know, he's, he's in therapy now. He's he's met. He's he's medicated now. He's been properly diagnosed now and he does seem to be getting better. But I, it, I had to drag him. To that place. I mean, you know, not not literally, but it, it took it took a lot of um, a lot of long conversations and to, to finally get him where he was willing to do it and not embarrassed by it. And I even sent him last night um, the you know DJ Carton statement, and I was like, look, this this is a young person 
who is a five-star basketball prospect. He's playing, you know, in the Big Ten, and he's he's succeeding, flourishing, and even he recognizes I need help. So there's nothing to be ashamed of. And if if that's the message other young people, basketball players and non-players, can get from this, then it's not only great that DJ Carton is doing this for himself. But uh, perhaps he's making a difference in somebody else's life as well. Yeah, last thing I'll say on this is, and that thanks for sharing all that, Parrish. Uh, I think our listeners will really uh, appreciate that. I know I do. Um, I think, you know, every generation uh, betters the one that came before it in, in so many ways here. And I think that this, this one that's coming up now, you know, college-age people into their, you know, early to mid-20s, um, you know, it used to be that, you know, men would grow up and they would have uh, relationships. And I am speaking broadly, of course, but in American culture in particular, uh, men's relationships with their fathers was like, you know, not a lot of hugging, not saying I love you. You know, dad was, you know, the stoic man of the house, comes home from work, like just all these antiquated, just completely antiquated philosophies. And now, uh, for the betterment of our society, and man, we can really go down some roads on this podcast here. Um... It's just, it's really good to see young men and women that are open to discussing these kinds of things here because I think it helps, um, it helps us evolve overall uh, as a people here and as a culture. So credit to you, DJ Carton. Hope that you can get uh, back in a good headspace uh, soon because uh, obviously, you know, goes without saying, we got to figure that he loves playing basketball. This isn't going to be an easy thing. He doesn't uh, find it uh, something that he wants to do to have to step away from his team. But, uh, but credit to him. This is now part of his story, and he can certainly be uh, something of a role model to untold uh, amounts of people he doesn't even know uh, at this point. But uh, But, you know, an unexpected story that came Thursday night, but one I'm glad we decided to open with here on the podcast. And I, I would uh, just add one last thing, which is that the support that he got on social media, um, not just from you know media members, but just from people in general, like has to be encouraging and reassuring. And so if you're somebody who sent him a nice note, um, shouts to you because it's a young man who's clearly struggling in, in, in whatever way he is struggling. And social media can often be such a, a nasty and and uh, depressing thing. And so, for folks to use Twitter last night as a as a source of encouragement for uh, DJ Carden, I thought that was a, a a pretty nice deal. Let's talk basketball. Good Pac-12 teams keep taking stupid losses. Colorado is the latest. We're going to get into that next. But first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, 
taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So good Pac-12 teams just keep taking one dumb loss after another, and the latest is your Colorado Buffaloes, ranked 20th in the AP poll and lost 72-68 Thursday night inside Pauley Pavilion at UCLA. UCLA entered this game 10-10, and 130th at Ken Palm, and they beat Colorado. So I dropped the Buffaloes out of the top 25 and one. I replaced them with a Pac-12 team, by the way, USC, and we'll get into them in a minute. But Colorado no longer ranked in the top 25 and one. According to Ken Palm, mm-hmm. the Pac-12 is the sixth best conference in the country right now behind the Big Ten, Big 12, Big East, ACC, and SEC. It's just ahead of the American. They have zero teams in the top 10 at Ken Palm and only two in the top 25, number 12, Arizona, and number 17, Oregon. And Arizona isn't even ranked in the AP poll because the Wildcats are just five and six in quadrant one slash quadrant two opportunities. Meantime, Washington is 12 and 10 overall, two and seven in the Pac-12 after Thursday night's loss at Arizona. They've got two projected lottery picks and they stink. They have a win over number one Baylor, and they stink. Norlander, yeah. what do you make of the weirdness of the Pac-12? It's uh, an unfortunate uh, sequence of events here for the big league out on the left side of the country. Um, the Pac-12 got off to a relatively solid start in the first three weeks of the season, especially compared to last season. And now, although it, it still comfortably rates ahead of the American this season, uh, I'd say it's firmly six out of the seven, you know, real big-time conferences overall. Um, here's a quick, for those listening here, just to give you an idea on the standings as they, as they sit as we head into uh, the weekend. Oregon is first in the league at 7-2. and two, And, oh, by the way, Oregon needed uh, a rally to win at Cal, uh, but it got there. Cal is down at 3-4. and four, But Oregon 7-2. USC is six and two. Colorado five and three. Arizona four and three. Stanford, which lost, also now four and three. You keep Stanford's on a three-game losing streak. We've already uh, addressed our grievances with uh, with the Cardinal about a month ago here. Um, and then you got UCLA up to four and four because of the win. And then from there, it's just a it's a, it's a big bog. I mean, Wazoo is sub five hundred. Arizona State's three and four. Cal, Utah, Oregon State. Keep on going down the list. And then Washington, hello, dead last in the league. At two and seven, and here's the weird thing: um, in the net rankings right now, Arizona's 11, Oregon is 15, Colorado is 20, Stanford is 27, USC is 38, and Washington is 47. So you've got one, two, three, four, five, six teams in the top 50, seven teams in the top 50 of the net in the Pac-12. It's bizarre. Um, as we get closer to March, I think we're going to have some. Uh, longer confusing conversations about what exactly the net rankings are giving us and uh, a lot of contradictory stuff and that might be a result of just the the general season we've been having here but yeah gp funky year oregon's the best team i think that we can say that pretty clearly right now i still believe in arizona's ceiling and arizona getting the win at washington was important for that team's resume overall because it's not even like a great win anymore but arizona's defeated illinois Colorado. <laughs> That's about it. If you want to count the road win against Washington, I'll give that to you. But there's a whole lot of interesting happening uh, with this league. Arizona's their win last night was their first road win of the season. You know, um, if Oregon had lost, I don't even know. Like, it'd be in serious trouble there. And I, I actually really like Colorado. I, I did. I felt. I, I went to bed at halftime of the game, 
Um, so I woke up to discover that the Buffs had lost, and that's just a bad one. I mean, Colorado's going to make the tournament, I think, Parrish, but um, and I understand, you know, it's a road game. But now you got to turn around, you got to play USC on Saturday if you're Colorado. UCLA's just not that good. You got to win that game. You got better talent, you're a better team, and Colorado just can't get out of its own way here. So that's, you know, kind of a broad reaction there. What's your take on, uh, on what we're seeing with the Pac 12, which had potential? And still has teams that can make the second weekend, but still just kind of just can't seem to get out of its own way. Well, um, Colorado, yes, it was a road game at UCLA, but it's not like Pauley P- Pavilion under these circumstances is some impossible place to go into. Like nobody's there. Did you so, see the start of the game? I mean, it was typical. I mean, first of all, it was 11 Eastern start, eight, eight local, and uh, Parrish. I mean, there was many, uh, you know, the camera comes down from that kind of like that high perch as they zoom in on the tip. There were as many empty seats as there were bodies in, in, in the seats there. So just to, to your point there, yeah, with, without a doubt. I mean, the place looked maybe at 45% capacity at tip-off. Yeah, people just it, – it's it's one of the – I don't want to say baffling things because I'm not baffled by it, but it, it was one of the eye-opening things the first time I went to Poly Pavilion. Um, first off, this was before the renovations. The first, Now, I've been there since the renovations, and it's beautiful. Before the renovations, I walked in. I was like, this place is a dump. Yeah. Like, it, it really was a dump. Now it's it's beautiful – but I guess when UCLA is really rolling, it's it's different. But it, Pauly, you go into Poly Pavilion, it never feels like you're going into Kansas or you're going into Kentucky or you're going into – it just doesn't register the same way. And when they're bad, it really gets bad because obviously getting around L.A. is a difficult thing. So people are like, I'm not driving an hour to go watch a bad UCLA basketball team, particularly when you got the Lakers and the Clippers and everything else going on in Southern California. So it is um, it, it's an interesting thing. It is the one blue blood program that doesn't get blue blood support. Would you would you would you yeah. would you accept that as a I, fact? I, that's definitely a fact. Yes. Right. Yeah. So it's just a, a, a weird thing. Um. You know, last week we spent some time talking about programs that got off to really good starts and then just took a bad turn. We focused on Ohio State, uh, Butler when it was on, I believe, a three-game losing streak, uh, Memphis uh, when it had lost uh, two straight um, and maybe four of six or something like that, uh, Michigan we've talked about. Washington belongs on that list. These dudes were 10-2 and two with a win over number one Baylor, and now they're 12-10. and 10. That means they're two and eight in their yeah. past ten games. Yes. Two and seven in the Pac-12. You noted last place, not just last place, alone in last place. How has Cal won more Pac-12 games than Washington? I don't, I don't know. And they almost have twice as many. Cal probably should have won that game against Oregon on Thursday night. I don't. Well, the, and the biggest thing, obviously, with this, we've mentioned it on the podcast before. Um, Quade Green, we, I think it's two weeks ago, maybe. Uh, Quade Green's not the point guard on this team anymore. Uh, he has he was not academically eligible, and because Pac-12 schools uh, work on quadrants, uh, quads instead of semesters, I think he, if he can get right, he might be able to. It does not matter now. Washington's not going to make the tournament, but uh, he can come back. I think for mid March. But this is you can draw like there, this is a total correlation causation situation. Okay. Uh, and I sound like Jackie Childs right there, but um, he played 16, 16 games, all right? Started 14 games. Through 16 games, Washington was 11-5, and five. and since then it's won once at home against Oregon State, barely a top 100 team, uh, sits at 13-8, and eight and is 3-6 and six in the league here. So without Quad A Green, Washington's just been a bit lost. And oh, by the way, you know, Isaiah Stewart, you know, we do the, me and uh, Kyle Boone, every Tuesday we update the Frost Watch, the top 10 most, you know, consistently impressive 
statistical freshman in college basketball. Isaiah Stewart is unquestionably a top three freshman in college hoops this year. It is not debatable. And when you watch him play, when you see his numbers, uh, he is really, really good. They are losing uh, not because of him. Jaden McDaniels had a bad turnover late. I mean, he's been way too inconsistent. He has not been nearly as good as I thought he would be. And you know, I actually, he, got, he got benched. Yes. I actually think, Paris, you mentioned like two potential lottery picks. I think McDaniels has hurt himself so much. Uh, if he can turn it around, maybe. But I'm actually not even convinced anymore he, he'll, he's going to be a lottery pick. I mean, he has not been as nearly as good. He's not an efficient player. Uh, he's got you know potential there. But Nas Carter's been uh, more impactful. There's no doubt about it. Um, he's not a freshman, but just just uh, to give an example there. So yeah, Washington's a bizarre team, man. Uh, I I you know it's a lot of it's quad A, but it's not all quad A. And you had an opportunity against Arizona, and it just slipped in. This is four straight losses here in back to back home defeats against the two best teams in the league. They lost to Oregon uh, in that that CBS game. Remember when Pritchard won it in overtime, and then to Arizona here on Thursday night. Listen, I, I recognize losing Quad A Green matters, but losing Quad A Green cannot be the thing that sends your season into the tank. <laughs> Maybe I mean, it's, it un, it's unacceptable. Maybe it is, though. That's, who knows? <laughs> like, that can't. Like, Kentucky lost Quad A Green and got better. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you, you can't be washed and lose Quad A Green and, and never win another game. Um, the McDaniels thing is, is wild. Like, you don't you – don't, and, and it's possible, yeah, he, he might not be a lottery pick, but he still would project – by everybody yeah, as a he's, yeah. first round pick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you got two first round picks, um, even with the loss of Quadi Green, you, you should be better than than what you are. And um, like like I said, the McDaniel's thing, he got benched. Mike Hopkins was pretty publicly critical of him. The quotes uh, were were more or less, um, "We we play basketball a certain way, and you're going to have to play the basketball the way we play if you want to." play i mean it was a pretty direct shot at uh, this young man is i mean that that translates to he's not being coachable right now so maybe they'll figure it out but when you're sitting here you know uh, two and eight in your past 10 games two and seven in the pac 12 alone in last plays even if you do figure it out you, you, the hole that you've dug yourself might be uh, too big one bright spot though i think usc like i said i mentioned um i've, I've added them to the top 25 and one on, on Friday morning, they're nine and three in quadrant one slash quadrant two opportunities, which is pretty good relative to other teams in the top 30 range. They've got a one quad three loss to Temple. That's stupid, but it happened all the way back in November. They're 53rd at Ken Palm, 38th in the net. They beat LSU earlier this season, which right. is something no SEC team has done yet. Mm -hmm. uh, you believe in the Trojans? Uh, I don't know if I believe in them yet, but uh, I was, so I was flipping around. It was a relatively light night. In fact, there were like no games of importance that started until 8.30 for the most part last night. Um, so got a little Good Place finale. Uh, you, you watched The Good Place or no? You on... I, I I've never solid. watched a second of it. Solid. Well, it's it's over now, but it's I th think it's on Netflix. It's uh it's worth it. It's creative. It's there's never been a sitcom like it. So um anyway, the point is, I uh, me and my wife watched the uh, the Good Place finale. Then I then I caught up with the hoops there and um was watching USC and I want to say. Uh, I, I saw the LSU game. I actually saw the. T I remember watching the Temple loss. And I might have seen a little bit. Well, I think I've seen him like three times this season. So I haven't gotten like a great, great look at him overall. Um, they've got a, they've got an outstanding freshman. Uh, Pac-12 actually. Here's the weird thing. Pac-12 has a lot of really good freshmen. Onyeka Agunwu is a top five 
uh, newbie in college basketball. Uh, 6'9", versatile, power forward type who can score inside, um, really good defender, great rebounder, solid passer. I love his game. He is the biggest reason why USC is 17-4 and to this point. And, uh, you know, just broadly speaking, I, would, I, I buy into him now. I buy into his long-term potential there. But between him, Stewart... McDaniels uh, put him to the side, and then Zona's got three tremendous freshmen, obviously. Um, you've got uh, a league that's got some interesting, entertaining young talent here, and yet overall the Pac-12 is kind of slumping. I'll get back to what you're, what you're asking here overall. But USC 17-4, and it has eight combined wins in road and neutral environments there. Um, I don't yet know if I fully buy in yet, but a good win home. Maybe should have beaten Utah by more. It was kind of, kind of more of a tussle than it needed to be. Utah is just, you know... It's it's a young team. I mean, it's got <laughs> it's both Gok, Booth Gash, whatever we want to call him. We shouts to our boy, both Gok. I will say it every single way, every single time. But uh, but he, but regardless, USC uh, is trajecting toward the NCAA tournament. I think here, and um, if it can get there, it will. You know, it'll get to the tournament for the third time under Enfield, and it would lead into next season. Uh, which will be a big season for the Trojans, regardless of who stays or who goes, because you have Evan Mobley uh, coming in, and some believe that he'll be the, you know, him or Kate Cunningham, the, the most talented guy coming into college basketball uh, soon enough here. But overall, yeah, they are worth, they're worth at least worth highlighting to this point. I think 17 is four is better than anyone thought they would be. They get Colorado here on Saturday, and now Colorado has an urgent game to win there. And then I think we'll know in the next three games, Parrish. Colorado this weekend. The next, it's at Arizona, at Arizona State. You get two and one through that spot there, and I think you'll be sitting relatively pretty down the stretch and should have a little bit of slack to give in terms of uh, where you might be seated come Selection Sunday. If we're going to say that Jaden McDaniels has hurt himself with NBA people, Onyeka Okongwu has has helped himself tremendously in this season. 17 points, 9.1 rebounds, 3.2 blocks per game. Didn't he play with the Mobleys? On the grassroots circuit, I feel like we saw him in Vegas a few years ago, summers ago, when the, the the Adidas champ played the Nike champ in that rare cross-brand matchup. I feel like he was on that team with the Mobleys. Is that true or false? Uh, I remember the game, because uh, I remember how big a th- uh, thing that was. He's from Chino. Chino Hills. Yeah, he's from Chino. Um, I can't... I can't remember. See, this is funny. I I think you're right, but I don't know if that's 100% correct. I, you're probably right there, but I can't. When I go back and think about when they played that, I don't remember him in the game. But that doesn't mean that he didn't do it. It's just that that you know, there are certain players that you're more aware of than others. But yeah, I'm not sure. He was a four-star prospect coming out of high school. Uh, no, five-star, excuse me, on the 247 composite, and was ranked 25th nationally. So he was certainly a, a well-known guy. He's just been. He's been terrific, and he's a very fun player to watch. There was a lot of buzz about him uh, in the preseason. Um, speaking with the USC staff, they they told me that he was going to be their best player, and that has definitely been the case. Um, I just Googled it. He did play for the Compton Magic. It he was did. Evan okay. Mobley, Isaiah Mobley, and o- Onyeka Okongwu were all on that team. So. <laughs> most shocking development in the podcast i remembered something yes that is actually relatively <laughs> shocking yes how, how about uh that you ready to get to the final four and one? Oh, i am i am so ready so hold on so we got we got the games coming the picks coming you did beat me last week 
You beat oh, me I, good. See, I, st- I stopped keeping track. Give me the updated uh, numbers so I can update my numbers. Okay, so I, the, up, the, up, the updated numbers are I'm at 32, 27, and 1. 32, 27, 1. And even though you are sub-500, you did gain ground on me. So you are 25, 34, and 1. Um, you had a 3-2 and two week, and I had a 1-4 and four week, I believe. The only one I got right was I had UNLV to cover against San Diego State, and I think that happened. But otherwise, uh, and the only one we both got wrong, we had Texas covering against LSU, and that did not happen. But there we go. So, yeah, uh, there is a seven-game gap. We'll see if you can close it. We do have a stacked Saturday coming. Obviously, the Super Bowl is on Sunday. How about this? How about a final four and one and one? We'll get our final. We'll get our Super Bowl picks and the scores in at the end of this as well. But uh, all right, where are we going first? Chronological order. I know how you do. Chronological order. Saturday, 4:30 p.m. Eastern. It's number 25 Rutgers against Michigan inside Madison Square Garden. You can watch it on the Big Ten Network. Ken Palm projects it. Rutgers minus one. Minus one versus Michigan. This is part of the whole Big Ten thing. There's like a wrestling or a hockey. There's going to be something else that's happening there. They do this all the time. Um, and I think this means I, – I don't have it in front of me. I think this means Rutgers uh, – either Rutgers – they play twice. I think Michigan doesn't have to play a technical road game at Rutgers. They get to dodge the rack. I think Rutgers has to go to Michigan or something like that. There's something – I know they play each other twice, and uh, one of these teams gets to, you know gets to dodge the true road game environment there. Um at the garden. What time is this tip? No, 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 no. You've got it. You've got it backwards. Dead leg. Norlander. What? Did they um, already play? This game is at Madison Square Garden. Right. And then on February nineteenth, uh, Michigan will have to go to the rack. To the rack. Good luck with that. There we go. How is that fair, by the way? It's not. So yeah. So Rutgers gets to dodge. Rutgers in New in New York City, and then and then in in Piscataway. The the conspiracy against Michigan continues, as as I'm sure Big Blue Honks will tell you. Um, yeah, that ain't good, especially if you're Michigan going the wrong way. I can't go. Uh, here are words I cannot believe I'm about to say on the Ion College Basketball Podcast, but I'm going to say them, and I never thought it'd be possible. I can't go against Rutgers here. I'm going to take. I'm going to take. Sixteen and five, seven and three in the league, coming off back to back home wins against Nebraska and Purdue. Although I will say this, Parrish. There are serious Rutgers skeptics out there because their home road splits are fairly drastic. Rutgers has not lost a home game yet, sit at 18 in the net, but they have just a 1-4 road record and combined road and neutral. They're 1-5 away from the rack here. Uh, so who knows if they lose it uh, at the Garden? We'll see. But I will go Rutgers minus one. Give me Peichel. Um on Inside College Basketball the other night, CBS Sports Network, uh, one of the questions we were asked when we were doing some sort of little bit um, was, will Rutgers make the Elite Eight? And I was like, they better get around what? to 32 games at the, at the rack somehow. The Elite sort of, Eight? Where have we watch. gone from this team hasn't made the tournament since 91 <laughs> to going to the Elite Eight? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I I I thought it. I thought they were setting the bar too high. Like, it, will Rutgers win a game in the NCAA tournament? Seems like a reasonable question. Maybe even go to the Sweet Sixteen. But the Elite Eight, I was like, nah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say no. I'm. I'm gonna no on that. <laughs> yeah. And it's because I don't think they're gonna get to play a round of thirty, a Sweet Sixteen game inside the rack. They're a different team. Like, they're so good there that that's gonna be good enough to get them to the NCAA tournament. And we were also asked. We were doing a Big Ten uh, block. 
and what's the best home court advantage in the Big Ten. And I think right now it probably is the rack. How about it? Yeah, and, I and mean, right now, it, I, I guess so. I mean, I, well, the thing is, like, obviously, go to the Breslin Center. But is it? Yeah, but yeah, but actually, is it? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, well, he, well, here's what I would say: you go into the Breslin Center. Everybody in there who's fired up, it, it looks, it's the same every year. Like, it's such a ah, we're going to a, you know, we're going to see the Spartans, their Final Four contenders. This thing that's happening at Rutgers right now just does not happen. It's another le- like they, the people in that building haven't experienced anything like this in forever. So I do think that in this particular year, it's just a different deal. Like they're announcing sellout every game. Rutgers game this weekend sold out at the rack. I, it's it's um. Has have it, you ever been there? I've never been. I there. I haven't, but I can only imagine it's a regular Pinnacle Bank Arena these days. That's for damn sure. <laughs> it's it's like the new Pinnacle Bank. <laughs> it is the new Pinnacle Bank. I have not been to the rack yet. Uh, I had been debating maybe going and checking them out. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they host Maryland second to last game of the season. Maybe that's going to be the spot. Because I actually, because you know, this is how I am, but I've I've weirdly always wanted to go there because, you, you know, just it's it's Piscataway. Who doesn't want to go there, obviously? But, uh, yeah, I've never uh, I've never actually been inside the rack. So, anyway, you taking you with me here for the Garden at the Garden on Saturday? Are you going to take Rutgers? Yeah, I'm taking Rutgers minus the one. I'm trying to pick you out a rack game right now. Looks like Tuesday, March third's pretty good for you. That's what I was just saying, Maryland. That's probably the that's probably the only real one there. Um, that's because they host Illinois, but that's uh, that I actually know that I can't go to that one. Uh, be in studio for HQ on that one. So, um, but yeah, maybe if Maryland's uh, Maryland's uh, rolling, maybe that's that's certainly a possibility there. But I'm loving the Rutgers fever, and I will say. DePaul has completely let us down. I wanted the tournament with Rutgers and DePaul, and we're probably not going to get it. So almost definitely not going to get it. DePaul, RIP. Rutgers uh, has won four of its past five games, by the way. Lone loss in that stretch at Iowa. Number six seed in the tournament right now, according to Jerry Palm. And Michigan, number nine seed right now, according to Jerry Palm. But trend in the wrong direction. Five and eight since starting seven and zero. Oh. So they're twelve and eight overall, three and six in the Big Ten, three and eight in quadrant one opportunities. They have no losses outside of the first quadrant. So if you're looking for, I don't know, something positive, um, seven of the eight losses on Michigan's resume are to likely NCAA tournament teams. Minnesota, at, at this moment, being the lone exception, every loss is to a top forty Ken Palm team. So it's not like they're out there losing to Evansville and Stephen F. Austin, um, but they're just not winning enough of these games, which is why they slipped all the Stephen way. Stephen F. Austin, by the way, is eighteen and three. All right, so you can't put him in the same conversation with Evansville, which has gone through uh, everything. I mean, Walt McCarty was fired. Uh, has been accused of sexual misconduct. Is now nine and thirteen. Give some respect to Axum SFA eighteen and three. That's going to be your chic uh, twelve over 13, five, 13 over four pick. All right. I, I, I apologize. I apologize okay. to Thank to you. the Lumberjacks Thank for you. grouping them with Evansville. One team beat Duke and is now eighteen and three. The other team beat Kentucky, went straight into the tank and had to fire its coach. Yes, really. You talk about what we did last week. There is no team that has had a bigger one eighty. It's technically 180, so you can't be bigger. It is than Evansville and Call of College basketball. What a what a deal that was! All right, we're both Rutgers minus one. Game number two, mm. Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Number 13, Kentucky at number 17, Auburn inside Auburn Arena. You can watch it on ESPN. Bruce Pearl's Tigers minus three, according to Ken Palm. How about Auburn Arena just being Auburn Arena? Like you got how many how many buildings? In major conferences these days are just that, like you've got West Virginia's just the Coliseum, 
Right. You got Auburn Arena, but uh, even like Rupp Arena now has like got that new deal. You've got Cameron Indoor, which applies. I guess the Dean Smith Center. Maybe there's more than I thought there was. But there's you've got Pinnacle Bank. Like, is the rack just the rack? That's the question. Is it just the Rutgers Athletic Center? I don't know. I'm just kind of surprised by that. You just don't have that many uh, venues anymore where it's just like, yeah, it's Auburn Arena. It's where Auburn plays, you know? Okay, anyway. You think that you would think that in the in the year 2020 you would have sold that to somebody, right? That's exactly what I'm saying. Or it's or it's named after somebody. That's usually what you get. You got naming stuff. Anyway, uh what the hell? Should, it should be Charles Barkley Arena. Charles, maybe it should be. Um Jared Harper Arena. Jared Harper Arena. There we go. If you can retire John Morant's uh number 12 jersey at Murray State a year after he leaves, you can name Auburn Arena after Jared Harper. I Not think. even a year. That's the fastest jersey retirement ceremony I think in college athletics history. I don't know if we've ever had a player leave college and less than a full calendar year later have his number put up into the rafters. I don't think that's ever happened. Are you okay with it? Uh, oh, yeah. It's Ja. Are you kidding me? It's Ja, it's ja Moran. He's got the Grizzlies at 24 and 24 alone in eighth in the Western Conference standings after being picked last in the Western Conference standings in the preseason. He's, a 20-year-old point guard has changed the entire franchise, retired number 12, and anything else he wants you to retire. That's right. I'm going to talk to Matt McMahon, by the way, Murray State coach, on Monday, so I'll have something on the site next week about that and some other stuff. Okay. Kentu- I, I, I'll get, um, one thing on Matt McMahon. Yeah. So the day after the lottery, this is pretty good. Day after the lottery, when it becomes clear the Grizzlies are going to pick number th- uh, pick second, and it becomes pretty clear the pick's going to be John Morant. I got Matt on my uh, radio show, and I, at one point I asked him, like, what 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 do you expect from the NBA career, John Morant? Now you and I know, uh, we you ask most coaches that uh, they they will always be positive because it's their player, but there's always, um, you know. Places where they say your typical answer would be something like this. Well, he's got a chance to be uh, special, you know, because of his athleticism, his vision, his ability to create for himself and others. But, you know, he's going to have to continue to develop a jump shot and he's going to have to get better at this and get better at that. But if he gets better at these things and keeps working like I know he will, then he's got a chance to to be really, really good. Like that would be a typical answer. I asked Matt, I said, what do you expect from John Morant in the NBA? He said, superstar. I said, what? He said, superstar, guaranteed, 100%. He will be a superstar, and he is already a superstar. Like, he didn't make the all-star team, and I understand why he didn't, but you could make I a don't. Super- I don't understand why he didn't. He's, he's as must-watch as anyone at this point, including Zion Williamson in the NBA. He, is, well, the, he should have made the all-star He should have made the all-star the argu- the argument against him would be every guard in the Western Conference that got selected over him ha- has better numbers, but – you know, like I had to turn in a wooden ballot the other day and I put Malachi Flynn on it. And it's not necessarily because Malachi Flynn's numbers jump off the page, but he is the most important player on a team that was preseason 97th at Ken Palm and is right now on track to get a one seed in the NCAA tournament. They're undefeated 22 and 0. Like that should be recognized as greatness. Yes. And similarly, John Moran has done the same thing for the Grizzlies. I mean, it's not the same thing. It's not like the Grizzlies are on track to be the one seed in the Western Conference playoffs. But a franchise that was literally picked to finish last in the Western Conference is now eighth in the Western Conference with a two-and-a-half game cushion over ninth place San Antonio. He is 20 years old, and he's the reason they changed the fr- uh, the franchise. has totally been flipped around. And by the way, since he came back from in- injury, because the 24-24 doesn't sound great, he suffered that back injury 
when he hit a camera on the baseline. Yeah. Since he's come back from that, he's the Grizzlies are 17 and 8 and they have the eighth best net rating in the entire NBA over that no, they're 18 and 8. Over that 26 game span, they have the eighth best net rating in the entire NBA. So they're actually better than what the record suggests since Ja came back and DeAnthony Melton became a part of the rotation. I promise I'm not trying to turn this into a Grizzlies podcast. <laughs> My point is, Ja Morant's number should be retired. And if you'll allow me to be serious for a moment. Yes. You know, we did just have a pretty big reminder um, about how nothing is guaranteed in this world. And I'm not trying to get over dramatic, But if you know you're going to retire someone's jersey and there's no rules against you doing it immediately – then why not knock it out now? Allow him to, him to enjoy that moment um, with his with his uh, with his family, with his beautiful daughter. Uh, because again, I'm not trying to get too over dramatic, but uh, there are Hall of Fame rules, and those rules, and I'm not saying they're wrong rules or bad rules, but the rules in place that make you wait a period of time are the reason that we'll never get a Kobe Bryant Hall of Fame speech. And so, I, I don't believe that that's what prompted Murray State to do this now. But I got no issue whatsoever with Murray State doing this now. That's my point. Yeah, that'll be cool. Uh, and that's going to happen this weekend on Saturday. Um, Murray State hosting SIU Edwardsville. And Murray State, uh, by the way, it's very good post-John Morant. So that'll, that's obviously a, a good part of the reason why I must talk with Matt McMahon. And I'll have some of that in the court report next Wednesday. That's a distant tease for you. By the way, we are picking college basketball games. Let's circle back there. This all started because I can't believe it's named Auburn Arena. Um, mm. Kentucky at Auburn, minus three. Uh, this is one of the games. By the way, side note, if you enjoy our picks here, if you enjoy me somehow locking into a, a healthy above 500 mark, uh, every Friday and then on Saturday, Parrish and I and uh, Kyle Boone, uh, Chip Patterson, Jerry Palm, we actually we, we make picks against against the spread and straight up on the site. So if you'd like to also see some ones that we're not going to get here, uh, be on the site, you can do that. But this one is going to be one that doubles up here and on the site. I did pick Kentucky straight up. There is a fire truck driving past my house. Don't know if the podcast caught on to that. But regardless, I'm going to take Kentucky to win straight up. Okay, okay. <laughs> Okay. I, I did that in part to, to drown out the fire truck driving on by there. Um, UK's won four in a row. Uh, and I, Auburn's funky, man. First of all, do you see how much Bruce Pearl was sweating through that suit earlier this week in the double OT win against Ole Miss? Did you see this? I, I understand sweating through your shirt. I don't I Yeah. I, I just, because I, for whatever reason, when I'm in studio, I sweat through my not, – not through the front of my shirt. Mm. My underarm sweat. Mm, I, I don't, yeah. And so I, I I got so frustrated. It doesn't matter what I've tried every kind of of spray deodorant, roll deodorant, everything. And I, I finally after after Wednesday night, I'm sitting there and I'm freaking underarm sweating again. I'm like, you know what? I got to do something about this. And I went and ordered. <laughs> okay. I, I researched. I spent part of Wednesday night changing my. I've got to change the way my body works. <laughs> yeah, I gotta do. So. I'm tired of not being dry under my arms <laughs> when I'm in studio. And so I researched on Wednesday night. Mm, as oh, a, oh yeah, uh, 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 deodorant. Yeah, yeah. I researched deodorant. Okay. Like, 
the I, I was like, what is the best deodorant that makes you never sweat ever under any circumstances? <laughs> and I ordered two from Amazon. <laughs> I got I got two different brands and they're like clinical, whatever. So they should be here this week. I can't wait for them to get here. Like I, I can't wait, wait for, for my it Amazon. To, I guy. can't wait for it to, to make a difference. Uh, okay, uh, okay. But here's my larger point. So I can I can understand. I'm understanding of Bruce sweating through his shirt. I don't know how you sweat through a whole suit. Uh, it's he's working, man. I mean that that is the th- like. It is. It looks like a Rorschach test in the back of his jacket when you saw the images of that. It's unbelievable, man. Are you kidding me? Uh, I just went in a suit like that. I just indoors, indoors. You know, Sean Miller gets gets a lot of uh, ribbing jokes about you know that that infamous photo of him jacket off, you know, just drenched through the shirt. But Bruce Pearl is – I think he's the biggest sweater in college basketball. I don't – I mean, we might have to make a power rankings list on that because those two are near the top. But, yeah, he is – how do you even keep the suit after that? You don't. I don't think. Anyway, I got I got, I got Kentucky winning straight up. Who do you got? I got Kentucky plus the three. Um, I'm not – I, listen, of course, Kentucky can win. They, they've won at Arkansas, which is, you know, Auburn Arena is going to be wild on Saturday, but they've already seen wild um, against a comparable team and, and, and won that game after John Calipari was uh, dismissed for inappropriate behavior. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll take Kentucky plus the three. Whether they win or not, I just feel good with the better team plus the, you know, plus the points. But I will say it's interesting. Tell me how rare you think this is. Auburn is 18 and two in a power conference, but 26 in the net, 34th at Ken Palm. 18 and two in a power conference. How often can a power conference team be 18 and two through 20 games and outside of the top 25 in in the computers? It's that not. Can't, it's can't not common, common, but they've also flipped it here because the losses here. I mean, it tells you how frail they were at least to this point in the season with the amount of data we have. Parish because they were they were. They were like top, I want to say top five in the net when they had not lost a game and they had managed to not play ranked teams, not play quad one teams at that point. That was the big thing. Um, but they had, they had beefed up on quad two teams. Now, since then, that those numbers have shifted, and this is why it's so important to keep uh, perspective in the first week of January versus obviously the end of February and early March. Right now, Auburn sits at one and two in quad one, hasn't lost any other games, six and zero oh, uh, in both uh, quad two and quad three apiece. There, um, undefeated on neutral floors and three and two on the road there. So yeah, it is it is uncommon. That is very much a you know Ohio Valley. Horizon League kind of deal where you know, if you're 18 and two, 19 and one, and you aren't even sniffing top five territory, that's kind of where Auburn is now. That will obviously change. They'll get. A, I would think they get a healthy bump if they win. And then real quick, Kentucky has actually done well for itself in the net, where it sits at 24. But um, it's you know it's it's just unquote unquote just at 33 right now uh, in Ken Palm there, which is not corresponding to how the AP voters are ranking the Wildcats here. So a good opportunity for either team to take a nice little jump. This would be a quality win, whoever can get it. Kentucky, uh, like we mentioned, won four straight, but they got pushed by Vandy the other night. Um, Vandy has lost 26 straight games against SEC opponents. And they, they, they were up on Kentucky in the second half at Rupp, but eventually the better team won. Uh, Vandy, by the way, gets Florida at home uh, this weekend. It would be the most Florida thing ever for the Gators to go lose at Vandy on Saturday. 
it uh, it it would be. Um, uh, it would be damaging, damaging, damaging if that happened. But I don't think that's going to happen. And I don't think that's one of the that's. There's no way that's one of your one of your selections, is it? No, I just okay. wanted to note that Vanderbilt has lost 26 consecutive games against SEC opponents. Game number three, mm. Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Number 23, Wichita State at Tulsa inside the Reynolds Center. You can watch it on ESPNU. And Tulsa, minus one. The Golden Hurricane is 6-1 and one in the AAC with wins over Houston, Memphis, and UConn on a five-game winning streak. You a believer in Frank Hayes' Golden Hurricane? Maybe after this. I mean, Tulsa, geez, 66 in Ken Palm. Yeah, this is a biggie. I'm glad you did this one. Wichita State's been uh, been good, but has not been consistent enough to really uh, earn some some widespread love. That's due to back-to-back losses earlier this month at Temple, home to Houston. Now a uh, a good but tough opportunity. Wichita State's got a got a crunch here. Um, this is going to. I believe that Wichita State's next two weeks will determine whether it's going to get into the NCAA tournament or not because it's at Tulsa, home to Cincinnati, which is at least finding something of a groove. Then it's at Houston. At UCF, so a tough four-game stretch here. If the Shockers can go three and one in that mark, I think they're gonna have a good shot. Two and two, one and three, and they're gonna really put themselves in a tight spot here. Um, I think Wichita State's the better team. Tulsa has played well. It had a terrible non-conference schedule. Um, the only game of note, if you even want to call it that, it was at Vandy. Vandy's not good, but it did win at Vandy. Um, otherwise, it didn't beat its good teams. So I will take. GPU said it was one point, but I'll take Wichita State to win straight up here. Um, but a tough game to read and certainly one that I'll be uh, keyed in on. This is a very important game within the context of the American Athletic Conference. That league is trying its damnedest. We'll see if it cannot eat itself alive here to get three teams into the tournament. I think it's got a good shot, but you've got Tulsa, you've got Wichita State, Houston, of course, Memphis, Cincinnati, SMU. They're all kind of right there. All those teams are not going to get in, but they all right now can reasonably say with where we sit, uh, you can be optimistic you can get into the tournament. Um, so, yeah, this is a, certainly a big one, the biggest one in the league, I think, this weekend between Tulsa and Wichita State. Wichita State right now a seven seed, according to Jerry Palm. you got to be careful about trying to put everybody on the bubble. Do you realize how bad the bubble is? It ain't going to be hard to make this NCAA tournament. Uh, 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 yeah, okay. We're about on time. Yeah, checking my watch here. Yeah, it's about time. The bubble's bad every year. Are we going to do this again? Do you realize well, how like, do you realize how bad the bubble is? You you said that every single year for the past thirty seven freaking years. I know, but you keep talking like you know if uh, I was a little, I got a little carried away here. Okay, maybe the next four games aren't going to determine which state state's going to be in the NCAA tournament after these next four games, almost regardless of what happens. If they go zero and four, they won't. They're not going to go zero and four. But yeah, it's all right. I guess for the purposes of I did get carried away for the purposes of the race in the American Athletic Conference, uh, whether Wichita State will win the league or not will be determined in the next four games. I do believe that because they got a a tough four game stretch there. They'll probably be able to survive it. Uh, seven seed. Yeah, I, I buy that right now. Seven seed for the Shockers. Uh, oh, um, you know, Wichita State, seven and three in quadrant one, quadrant two opportunities. Um, but they have zero Q1 wins, zero, which is rare for a ranked team at this point in the schedule. Tulsa, here's the good news 69th in the net. Nice. nice. So this is a quad one opportunity inside the Reynolds Center. Yeah. Reynolds Center ain't no joke. Who's, Ren- Who's Reynolds? Is that a company? Is that a dude? Who is it? It ain't no Auburn Arena. I know that much. Reynolds Center. Who do you, it's named, what if it's named after Burt Reynolds? It's That'd be great. I think it's named after Burt Reynolds. I think it's Burt Reynolds Arena. <laughs> Burt Reynolds Center. 
Uh, R.I.P. <laughs> Burt Reynolds, Reynolds by the way. It's Smokey and the Bandit <laughs> Center. It's named after Donald W. Reynolds. Okay. Who in the world is Donald W.? No idea. Some some rich Auburn booster. It's got to be it. We got to figure was out. He behind, Donald, was he behind the Cam Newton deal? Donald W. Reynolds, he was an American businessman. Of course he was. And, uh, and philanthropist. He was known for his involvement in the Don Ray Media Group. Of course he was. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, I'm not familiar with Don. I, I, I know way more about two year old Tony Hinkle than I do about Donald Reynolds. That's right. You're damn he right. Passed, he passed, by the way, in 1993. Well, shout out to his family. All right. Moment of silence. Let's have a moment of silence for Donald W. Reynolds. Okay. Gone way too soon, far as I'm concerned. Who are you picking? What's the game again? Wichita State, Tulsa. Minus one. Golden Hurricane. Yeah, I'm gonna take Wichita State plus the one. I'm gonna take Wichita State to get uh, its first quadrant one victory on Saturday, provided Tulsa remains in the top 75 of the net on Sunday morning. Uh, it is true. Like Tulsa beat Memphis by 40 in that place. We talked about that. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But Arkansas State and Colorado State have both won in the Donald W. Reynolds Center this season. So I'm going to assume that Wichita State can can maybe go get that done. Game number four, Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern, number 19, Illinois, at number 18, Iowa, inside Carver, Hawkeye Arena. You can watch it on FS1. According to Ken Palm, it's Iowa minus five. This is the uh, the only real game uh, that you should be uh, 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 you know, overtly turned into. CBS does, CBS does have a 1 o'clock tip on Sunday. This is obviously pre-Super Bowl. It's Georgetown at St. John's, but the problem is uh, you know, both of those teams are just – Georgetown's spinning out. St. John's, Golden Gate, Mike, we love you, man, but you're 2-7 and seven in the league. So Sunday's only game between teams that are vying legitimately for the NCAA tournament is Illinois at Iowa here. Uh, so this is your appetizer before the Super Bowl stuff gets going. Um Iowa uh, is coming off Thursday night, uh, a loss against Maryland. Maryland continues to play well. Anthony Cowan balling out, love to see that, and uh, still buying to Iowa. We, Luca Garza, you're our dude right now. Um, but this is this is a tough spot here for Iowa. At Maryland last night, home to Illinois, then at Purdue uh, next Wednesday there. <sighs> I think I do like me some Illinois there. Um... I'm thinking I'll, 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 I'm going to go with Iowa in this spot here, uh, but I do think that this is the toughest of the four that, you have, uh, that you've suggested this is the toughest of the four. That was my phone, by the way. We can keep rolling here. I just I had to decline that call, so we're good to go. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at nah, it. My... That's me. That's me. So, I got so many devices. Like Sometimes somebody will call, or like FaceTime is where it really gets me. And, and at the same time, my, my MacBook, my iPad, and my phone are all like – begging me to answer some FaceTime call. And I'm like, dude, it just, it startles me every single time. There's just too much going on. Um, and it's especially problematic when you're like on set. Like I'm constantly making sure this is muted, this is muted, this is muted. So um, I, I know, you know we're good. We're good to go. We can roll with it. I'm going to take it. I do think this is the toughest of the four that you gave though, because of the five spread. I was good. I almost feel like it's begging you to take Iowa there, but I will fall for that. Give me the Hawkeyes there. I do buy into the offense. Illinois is playing well. Might be due for, uh, for a loss and it's a, a decisive loss at that. Illinois is coming off um, Another good win. I mean, it won again on Thursday against Minnesota. It's sitting at 8-2 and two atop the Big Ten standings right there with Michigan State and riding a seven-game win streak. The Fighting Illini are playing tremendously well, but I will take Iowa here. You can't you can't give Brad Underwood five points. It's disrespectful. Is it? 
Yes. I don't know if I don't know if, I don't know if it is, but okay. In fact, I think hold on, hold on. You go ahead and you pick your Illinois pick, but I feel like this is the third or fourth time this season we've done this and you said it's disrespectful and then the other team is one and covered anyway. So just be aware of that, okay? So your disrespect has been proven to be incorrect many a time here. You're going to ride with Illinois? This is disrespectful. Right. The Illini getting five Brad Underwood getting five points is disrespectful to Brad Underwood. And in uh, in the Illini in general, and don't ever forget, Connor McCaffrey is coming off a nut shot. Yeah, I know. I'm you aware. Take, <laughs> you taking that into consideration? I am taking it into consideration. Yeah, I think he that they're gonna... punched in the nuts just a few days ago. Do, are we really expecting him to be 100 percent and focused on a Sunday Super Bowl Sunday? I mean, he just played last last night, so he's gonna have he's he's gonna be back in the swing, man. He's gonna be back in the swing. Is this, a, is this one of those weird weeks for Iowa where they got three games? <laughs> yeah, I think it is, actually. Yeah. Yeah. The Big Ten schedule's wild. Yeah, they I play think. Monday, Thursday, Sunday. I know. It's it's a lot. It is a lot. A um, lot, lot to ask of a man that just got punched in the nuts. It is. I, I don't deny that. Um, all right, so you're taking Illinois. That's our first disagreement here. So now it's time. Imagine getting hit in the nuts. Okay. you got to play three games in a seven-day period, Norlander. Uh, yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. Um. Thank God he doesn't have to go to the Donald W. Reynolds Center. That'd be a whole other thing he's that'd dealing be, with. That'd be a big issue. Um, all right, now I got my one. All right, Saturday is stacked, okay, folks? So we're getting into February here. Saturday. Is it stacked? I looked at the schedule. I didn't think it was stacked. In terms of volume of games, because everything, almost everything is on Saturday because you got oh, the Super okay, Bowl. So, yeah, there's a lot. I, 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 took, I took stacked to mean like, man, there's all these great games. And when I was looking at the schedule, I was like, I don't know. There's some, there's some, okay, these aren't, aren't games that we're going to be picking. But, you know, Duke at Syracuse, a little slippery. Louisville at NC State. Eh, might want to keep an eye on that one. Just saying. There's a, there's, a, there's a potential there. We talked about the Pac-12. You got Colorado at USC. You know, might want to watch that there. So just, you know, Florida State, Virginia Tech. Maybe, maybe, maybe. There's just a few. Uh, there's a few ones to keep an eye on out there. And then you've got Michigan State at Wisconsin early. That's probably... Michigan State, Wisconsin, Oregon, Stanford. I, there's a lot of stuff that's intriguing from a developing bubble perspective, uh, but maybe not a ton of urgency. Houston at Cincinnati is also another big game in the American. I just think uh, Wichita State, Tulsa is bigger. Okay, but my game, we're gonna go out to uh, we're going out to the mountains here. Okay, going out to the mountains, going out to Provo. Got St. Mary's in a 10 o'clock tip on Saturday night playing against BYU. How about BYU? 18th. At Ken Palm right now. It's just chilling in the top 20 and no one's noticing. No one has any idea about this team. Seventh ranked offense in college hoops right now. The number one three-point shooting team in college basketball are your BYU Cougars hitting 41.8% of their uh, shots beyond the arc here. At 5-3 and three in the league, this is a must-win game for BYU's at-large hopes, I do think. I'm actually going to say that. I'm going to, I'm going to declare that right now because the losses are piling up. Here's what's funky about it, though. They've lost in overtime to Boise State, in overtime to Utah, in overtime to St. Mary's, and then they lost San Diego State. Hasn't lost. Lost to Kansas. Might be a one seed. Lost to Gonzaga. Might be a one seed. And then took a one-point loss last weekend against a actually solid San Francisco team. So this is a relatively urgent game here. Uh, BYU is a lot of fun to watch play. St. Mary's good team trying to get in. They're 19-4, and tracking toward getting into the NCAA tournament here. Going to try and pull off the season sweep. Ken Palm has this game with a five-point edge in favor of the Cougars. Who are you going to take? I'll take the Gales plus the points. All right, I'm going to take BYU to cover that. So we do have disagreement there. Norland at BYU. GP 
St. Mary's. And so we uh, we agree on three, disagree on two, and uh, and there you have it. Okay, and then Sunday. Well, real quick, BYU. What? Like, what do you I know got? They're, eight, they're 18th at Kempom. I got it. Yeah. But, like, the reason nobody's pay, paying attention is because they're one in five in quadrant one games. They're four in seven in quadrant one slash quadrant two games. They – like what have they done? They beat Houston a long time ago. That's good. That's fascinating, man. The predictive metric. They're also 18 at Torvik. The predictive metrics think that this is a this is an NCAA tournament level kind of team. So it's just fascinating to see that you're not incorrect. But given what they do, how good they are on offense, and the teams they played, the teams they have defeated, they have a win over Houston. They have a win over Nevada. Like it's it's uh, it's it's pretty interesting. So yeah, the, everybody has a win over Nevada. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just telling you, that's what they're at. So, wait, wake, wake me up when BYU wins at the Reynolds Center. Okay. <laughs> Shoot me a text when that happens. Okay, we'll do. Uh, all right. So Sunday we got the Super Bowl. We got to wrap this up here. So Sunday we have the Super Bowl. Um, Chiefs Niners. What's your score? What's your prediction? Uh, I, I couldn't be less interested in this game. By the way. <laughs> okay. Like I did, like if 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 my wife called me on Sunday afternoon and said, "Hey, listen, I forgot we made dinner plans, and I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, but I didn't I didn't check I didn't the date didn't register with me. Um, we've got to go. You're not going to be able to watch the Super Bowl." I'd be like, "All right, that's fine. Like it wouldn't really matter to me." Yeah, I will say I'm not, and obviously Kobe Bryant's death has just loomed over this entire week here. That's that's playing a factor. Um, I think because. Uh, I don't know. I guess. I don't know. San Francisco's a, a legendary franchise and has all those. I don't know. For some reason, though, I don't feel like the 49ers have a lot of uh, it to them this season. Chiefs are, you know, Chiefs bring it. I mean, they're, they're fast, fun. Mahomes, you got the whole deal there. But uh, but I'll be locked in. I'll be, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the game. But uh, but I kind of get where you're coming from with that. So, anyway, I'll say, um, I'm going to say 30... I'll say thirty to thirty to seventeen Chiefs win. I'll go thirty-one twenty-eight Chiefs win. All right, so we're both in agreement there. Looking forward to being yeah, wrong. Because I think, to me, Patrick Mahomes winning is just the more the more interesting thing. It is more interesting. And oh, by the way, um, we obviously have to do the podcast before the Super Bowl. So we will do the Sunday podcast uh, after we get the you know Iowa in that result there. And get that up. And then if you choose to listen during or before the Super Bowl, you can. If not, it'll be there for you after that night or early early Monday morning. Yeah, I've got to do CBS Sports HQ stuff all day Sunday. I will be in studio all day Saturday for CBS Sports HQ starting at 11 a.m. and going uh, deep into the night. So there we go. You want to go do it Sunday too? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. Saturday on CBS, 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, UConn at Memphis. Then at 10 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network, undefeated San Diego State. My Aztecs are hosting Utah State. They're going to retire Kawhi Leonard's jersey. So we get a John ja Morant uh, re- retirement and a Kawhi Leonard retirement um, this weekend. Uh, those are both obviously future uh, first ballot Hall of Famers. So congrats to both of them. Again, on CBS, UConn at Memphis, uh, 1 o'clock Eastern, and CBS Sports Network, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, San Diego State hosting Utah State. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. And please go subscribe to the Iron College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rated favorably. Five stars. Leave a nice comment. And um, like Norlanda said, we're going to talk to you again on Sunday afternoon. Till then, take care.
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.